0: This is Rev. Chuck Blair. Welcome to our weekly podcast on New Church Live. Great again to have all of you here today. We're going to go ahead and get started with, with today's service, this, this Memorial Day. And and this is the last part of our three-part series at at Peace with the Puzzle. And we've had three different parts to it. We looked at the first week. We looked to find peace in gentleness. This week, we're looking in trust. I'm going to have you say the last two words there. And this week, we're looking at in going the the second mile. I'm going to step over here just for a minute and, and sort of show you where we've come from with this service. We talked originally about the the power of of gentleness, like how gentleness can be such a beautiful part of of a missing piece. Like there's this piece in my life, there's this piece. I can't get them together. So, So we tend to think we can manufacture something that will pull it together. Really hard to do. Very few people actually are able to do that. So what do we do? Well, maybe if you look at Philippians, maybe we bring a missing piece and that's the piece of gentleness. Last week, we looked at trust, and as I said last week, it happened again this week, as soon as I get done a service, and I'm sure a lot of you will resonate with it, that's where I realized, like, oh, it would have been perfect if I had said fill in the blank. And what we did was we each had a little piece of the puzzle, and and we saw if they fit together. For for two people, they actually fit, believe it or not. The rest of us were plumb out of luck. We had these little pieces, and, you know, if I had that service to do over again, this is what I would have said. I would have said, can you guess what the picture of the puzzle is? Because I think when we get one little piece of it, one little snapshot, it's hard to understand the whole thing. But peace and the trust that is connected with it says very simply that there is a picture. I might not get it. I might not understand it. I might not see it for a long, long, long time. But I learned to trust just Simply trust that there is a picture. Again, not that I know it, but just that simple trust that there is a picture. And today what we're looking at is we're going to look at the second mile. And this is another one where where I feel like the the whole paradigm changes. Like like Christ gives us a totally different paradigm on how to look at peace. Because for so many of us, what we believe is we believe that that we'll all finally have peace in this world when so-and-so, fill in the blank, gets what's coming to him. Right? You know exactly, all of us have that. We have that person or, or that thing that when so and so then I'll finally be at peace. And Christ says, Nope, I'm actually going to give you a different way to look at that. So join me, join me as we take a look at what that might mean. It goes back to this beautiful, wonderful passage. You've heard that it was said, Eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. In other words, that everybody's going to get their just desserts. A powerful thing that, that really we have to welcome into our lives because it, it starts out, the passage starts out in Christ saying very much the human condition. Like, you, you know, you believe it's an eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. And what that is called is this. I mean, it's really a very mistaken way of viewing the world. It's an understandable and yet mistaken belief that lex talionis, if you want to impress your friends or win Scrabble, remember that word, which means retributive justice is the missing piece. In other words, that retribution and revenge, that's the missing piece. And that once we have that, then we'll finally have peace in our lives. And what Christ is saying is something far, far, far different from that. See, the context of it is this, and some of you know this from Bible history. Some of you aren't real familiar with the Bible. It's all okay. Some of you may have even heard, this may be the first thing you ever heard from the Bible. And if it is, it's a good thing to hear for the first time. What happened at that time was was, was where Christ was doing his preaching was a land occupied by Roman, by Roman soldiers. In Rome, by law, a Roman soldier could walk up to a peasant and could say, all right, I am going to require you to walk one mile with my stuff. My sword, my shield, my armor, all those different pieces. You've got to walk with me with my stuff. Pretty hard thing. You'd have to swallow a lot of pride to do that. It would be this constant reminder that you were a subjugated people. And here you can imagine those people looking at that and going like, yeah, you just wait, buddy. You're going to get yours eventually. You can imagine that idea, if I could just have revenge, if I could just have retribution, if I could just step one more way into into somehow vengeance, that that, that then somehow I'd have peace. And God is giving, in in this short paragraph, gives a complete flip. Do you see the change in paradigm? He says, yeah, okay, that's true, sort of. But there's this other bet. If they force you. I'm going to have you say the word choose real loud. If someone forces you to walk one mile, Christ asks that we choose to walk that second mile. Do you see that? You see that? Walk that second mile. Not only walk it, but actually, but actually choose to do it, knowing that, that that it's healthy and that it that it will actually help us in our lives, and that that this is what Christ is asking. Not that we will find peace in eye for an eye, but that we will find peace instead in walking the second mile. Again, it's it's Christ in sort of all his craziness, in in his ways of talking that are that are so distinctly different. <laughs> When you look at this, it's clear that, that, you know, Gandhi got this. I mean, Gandhi had a great saying where he said, I, loved your Christ. I love your Christ, I don't like your Christians. But, but, because Gandhi read this, he's like, oh yeah, of course that's it. And this is what Gandhi had to say about this. An eye for an eye will only make the whole world blind. We'll only make the whole world blind. So as the band comes out, I want you to think, What does it really look like when we go that second mile? Who are you being called to go that second mile with? And then we're going to be very privileged to hear from several veterans who talk about what it's like to go that second mile with a vet. This is is a real important question. It's it's a real important task. It's it's something that I feel that, 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 boy, if we not just saw this, oh, this is a good idea, but if we saw it as a key to peace in our lives, we might be able to hold it with the gravity, with the gravity that God really intends about the importance of this very, very simple concept. So this, this idea of like, how do, we, how do we do it a little differently? How do we look at it differently? How do we hold the second mile? Again, you're talking about something where they were asked to, to, to carry like heavy armor and, and, and not really have a choice about that, but then to choose. But then to choose something very different. And when you look at something like this, it's, it's you go back to New Church Theology. What New Church Theology says about important statements like this is that we have to know it and believe it. And if we really try to know it in this very simple way and really try to believe it, then something else can start to happen. We can start to see it as an overarching principle and then intuitively the specifics will come. intuitively, something else starts to settle down into our lives. Now, it's real important, again, that we we not leave it up here. Like, again, here's Christ saying, look, you know what? Physically, I want you to understand what this feels like, is like, looks like, smells like, tastes like. Walking the second mile, that's why he he did this, why he commanded this. So we're going to now hear from a couple of veterans. We're going to be sharing that. Now, the first veteran I'm going to be introducing here, I'm going to be hopping off stage for a quick minute and then hopping
1: back on stage to do a quick introduction. All right? So just hold on one sec.
0: A little humorous piece is that... uh, I broke two microphones today. Number three's not working so well. So I, I'm going to go with this. So, so uh, Locke, a number of years ago, yeah, Locke, a number of years ago, I, I have a son aged 25. And as a child, Locke Brown said, Here, I have my old helmet from back in Vietnam. And I thought your son would like to play with it. My son, being 25, no longer plays with it. So I wanted to use that to introduce my dear friend, Locke Brown.
2: Wow. There's a whole other story about that. <laughs> Lots of stories of that. Good morning. Um, thank you, Pastor Chuck. Uh, my good friend Matt Pennington reminded me that's a great title for you. I love it. Chuck told me for this talk to be successful, I needed to do three things I had to have a setup. I had to have a message, and I had to have a takeaway. That's his style. It works for him, so I'm going to try it. So if any of you are in a hurry, here's the quick version. There's an extremely high probability that you have a relative or a close associate who served in the armed forces. Number two, everybody, that's capital underlined exclamation points, everybody, everybody, suffers in war. And the third one is, you can and do make a difference. I would be remiss, uh, even though walking the extra mile, I'm gonna talk about walking with the veterans that have served, but I'd be remiss if I didn't remind us all that Memorial Day was set up after the Civil War. If you're from the South, it was Declaration Day. And it was to honor those that had died in the Civil War. And it continued on until after the First World War, where it became a day of honoring those who had died in service to their country. And today, it seems more like it's a placeholder on our calendar, the official beginning of summer, how's the traffic, how quickly can I get to the beach... And why do we have that disconnection? What's one part of that disconnection? Let me give you some numbers. During World War II, 11%, 11% of the American population served in the armed forces. That was about 160,000 people serving. Besides those that served, that meant that four out of five people in the United States had a family member, close friend, or close neighbor serving in the military forces. In my era, the 10 years that the Vietnam War took place, approximately 4.5% of the population served. This means it drops down to about a little over 2 out of 5 people who had family member, close friend, or associate. Fast forward to today to the 10 years of the Iraq Afghanistan conflict, and it's 0.45%. 0.45% directly connected with family, close friend, or associate. So perhaps that's why there's more distance between us and those, those that are directly directly affected by it. Um, there are less gold star families, which is a good thing. Gold star families are those who have lost a loved one while serving in the armed forces. So that can be a good thing, but it creates us having less skin in the game. So let me tell you a little bit of my story, just this is the, the setup. When I came back from Vietnam, uh, I would not tell anybody I didn't know that I was a veteran, that I'd served. It was, uh, as we say today, politically incorrect. And I grew my hair a little longer and I tried to blend in because I was reminded some young people don't remember this. To me, it's very real that uh, there was so much political feeling about Vietnam by its end that we were called nice names like baby killers and and things like that. And it was very unpopular to be a veteran. During our recovery from that, in the years, our nation has come to realize that, to separate the politics from the men and women who served, and we began to have ceremonies of welcome home, thank you for your service. And as a veteran, I can tell you that Feels pretty good compared to what happened the first time. I'll tell you a little secret about — I call it the hat. I don't know if you can all see that, but you see them around. I was a World War II veteran, I was a Korean War veteran, I was a Vietnam War veteran, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And you might think that the men and women that are wearing those want you to know. Uh, that they served. And that's partially true. I'm I'm proud of my service. But the real secret is, this is uh, our calling card, not for you, but for all the other veterans that we run into. It's the introduction card that says, I know. And if you're one, you know. And that's an important distinction because anyone who's had A life-changing event, a serious accident, car accident or or home accident, I mean I'm talking about serious life-threatening, or anyone who's lost a child, anyone who's had that deep of an experience, when asked about it, there's a part of them that knows you can't get it, you don't get it. It's not because you're not trying, it's not because you're unfeeling, it's because It's the kind of thing that if you haven't had the experience, there really aren't the words and the things that will connect it. And that's the special bond that veterans have. And by veterans, I mean not only those in combat, but those that were at risk, those that served, that could could be. They know to one degree or another uh, and have an experience that resonates. So they're the ones we can talk to. They're the ones we can connect with. So on the one hand, I'm saying, boy, it sure leaves a lot of you guys out, doesn't it? But there's a few things that you can do, and this is the walking the extra mile. The younger veterans today, and we were privileged to have a young man who's serving following up with me and probably will tell you much more than I could, but don't let the conversation stop with thank you for your service. Thank you for your service should be, in my humble opinion, the beginning of the conversation. Thank you for your service is the door opener that could say, if there's anything you want to tell me about, or if there's anything, uh, and maybe you don't, but I'm willing to stand with you and acknowledge that you served it. It leaves out the political, it leaves out the judgments, anybody here have any judgments or opinions? I mean, I know, I'm, I'm guilty of it. But if we suspend our judgments and opinions about what's going on in the world around us, and are willing to connect just with the human being, that is a great support, believe it or not. Sounds like a little thing. But I'm greeting you, I'm, I'm honoring you, however it shows up for you, as a human being who did this thing, or participated, and in a way, it's welcoming you back into onto our side, the the side we come home to. You know, when you're serving out of the country and you're serving in a dangerous situation, all you want to do is come home. And the sad truth is, when you do come home, many times enough things have changed in you that you come home, you go, great, then you go, uh-oh, where do I fit? So just that thank you and meaning it and that willingness To listen or to participate, if you're called to participate with supporting veterans, is the beginning, the door opener. And it's actually one of the greatest things you can do. I lost my notes. I hate technology. So that's walking the extra mile. Suspending our judgments, suspending our things. And the last thing I want to talk about is peace. We think of peace from war. I can assure you that I speak for every combat veteran I know that those of us who have participated hate war. And war is the opposite of peace. And I've come to realize I don't have a lot of impact on peace in the global sense, peace of whether we go to war or don't go to war. So what I invite you to look at is what's the peace from within? What's the peace that you can bring to yourself, and what's the peace that you can share? Are you willing to share? Because the one thing you have right now that, that goes back 40 years when I came home is we discovered there's this thing called PTS. It used to be called PTSD, it's now PTS. It's not a disease. And that began to be studied after Vietnam, and we know that it manifests itself in people. And today, the young people today have a generation of people, some of which are struggling with that. The good news is the peace can be we have more awareness. The piece can be we don't ascribe their actions. We don't buy into the deranged war veteran. That was a big hype after Vietnam. The truth is, a study shows that over 97% of all veterans who served in Vietnam actually lived very productive, even exemplary lives. And that was uh, sort of foisted on us by the media, but I'm getting off topic. The fact is, you don't have to do that. You now have information, you now have more tools that if you meet someone who's struggling with that, you have a way of connecting in a different way rather than shutting them away or running away. So I invite you today to see if you're called to walk the extra mile. And if you are, will you bring your own peace to that? Thanks very much.
0: And now it's my privilege to introduce our second speaker, Jed.
1: Thank you, Chuck. I brought a hat too. So good morning, New Church Live. Good morning. I am Staff Sergeant Cook, Comma Jedediah S. My name, however, is Jed and I thought I'd share my favorite job title, and that's Daddy. Uh, I'm pretty sure my kids are watching, so hi to Liliana and Josiah, love you guys. So I've served for 10 and a half years in the United States Marine Corps. I'm still currently on active duty uh, as a recruiter out in the Levittown area. Uh 2006, in February, I deployed to uh, Al-Anbar province, Iraq, and uh, basically my job out there was uh, standing security, and a large portion of that was searching vehicles for improvised explosive devices. While I stood post, uh, I was armed with an M16A2 service rifle, uh, an M4 semi-automatic shotgun, uh, or a 240 Gulf medium machine gun. Yeah. Paint the picture of me in the desert with that for a moment. Now, <clears throat> it's been nine years since I was over there, give or take a few months. Um, but it's amazing how after nine years, I can still remember what it feels like to be in full gear in 130 degrees, sweating out about two gallons of water a day. Uh, I remember seeing a sandstorm, like a mountain rolling toward me, and wondering, uh, "What do I do?" I throw on a gas mask. It's not gas. Uh, no. I did. It made for some good pictures. So I have those memories, and uh, one of the significant points I, I wanted to get to was uh, during that time while I was searching vehicles basically for a bomb. Um, On the flip side of that, I also had the responsibility of guarding the drivers of those vehicles while my fellow Marines searched those vehicles. Um, In that moment, when I, you know, I still remember the face of the first man I stood in front of while my Marines were on the other side of the HESCO barrier searching his vehicle. And in an instant, I realized that If that man flinched the wrong way, if he grabbed a gun or reached for a trigger to blow his truck up while my guys were over there searching it, I had to, without thinking, shoot him. Now, that's that's something that Jed or Daddy would never do. And there's no time to prepare that. So, in an instant, I built a wall. And it had Jed and Daddy on one side, and it had Staff Sergeant Cuck on the other side. I was a corporal back then, but so over the time I was there, um, thank God I never had to shoot anybody, and thank God everybody that shot in my direction had really bad aim. Uh, but but there are way too many that weren't so fortunate uh, that have deeper scars. Uh, Both overtly as well as on the inside. You know, you you put on a different kind of armor in that moment to be able to deal with what you have to do um, to protect your country, to protect what we have. You know, I spent a lot of time over the past week thinking about Memorial Day and and what it really means to me and you know walking that second mile with a veteran. So I was on Facebook, like everybody else on the planet pretty much, and I saw a bunch of posts about people that say, you know, it's a time for, you know, a memorial, a time to be solemn and think about those who've served, that have sacrificed so much. Uh, and I agree with that. But some of them kind of knocked people that, you know, want a barbecue on Memorial Day. And I really think it should be both because anyone that I've ever served with, any veteran, um, they put on that armor, they built that wall to deal with those situations so that they would have a country to come back to where they could sit back and have some barbecue and a cold drink on a beautiful day like today. So take a moment and remember those that served and their sacrifice, but enjoy that barbecue too. I know I'm going to. So... As for that second mile, you know, it, it took a long time to really think through. Uh, I didn't realize what others were doing for me when I came back. And, you know, obviously, uh, I didn't go through, you know, getting shot or having to have a limb amputated or anything, you know, extreme like that. And I'm so thankful for that. But when I came back, uh, as I thought back on it, I thought about my friends and my family, those I served with, you know, my support system and just how they were really there for me in treating me as me and welcoming, welcoming me back as Jed. You know, the, um, that armor that we put on that you can't see, the wall that you build that's invisible to everyone else, most people won't ever admit that to you openly. And some don't even realize that it's still there. Uh, As with any wall that a Marine or a veteran would build, it's not going to just fall over or crumble flying back across the ocean, coming back home. It's got to be taken apart stone by stone. And the only person that can do that is the one that built it. So what can you do in that situation? Uh, Locke said that, you know, there's a really great chance that you know someone or have someone in your family that has served. So for that person that you know, if they're going through that, you can take the time to be there for them. You know, because as they take that that wall down stone by stone, they may need some gentle encouragement. Or just someone to be there that they can talk to and not be judged. And someone that can understand that they'll probably never understand what you've gone through. Now, Those of my family supported me and let me you know, work through all of that and, and thankfully it wasn't such a drastic transition for me. But it was an incredible life experience to have that understanding and I'm so thankful that I was able to come back and still be Jed and, um, and to become a daddy. So hopefully that gives you a little bit of insight on you know, how you can walk the second mile with a veteran that's close to you. Thank you.
0: Very powerful there to, to, to hear that and, and that idea like what if we know and believe that what if we know and believe and that we actually take the steps see Christianity is this Christianity is incarnational it's not up there it's, it, it, it's down here it's, it's as in heaven so upon the earth where we're, where we're reaching out with this second mile in all kinds of ways even if that means having a great barbecue this afternoon that's what this life is so much about what I want to do now is give you, give you a chance to kind of pull this service together. And what I'm going to ask you to do, and our online audience can, can text answers into me, is to answer this question. Wait, what might be the magic of going that second mile? What might be the magic if we actually chose to do that extra thing? So please take 60 seconds. You can share it with the neighbor. I'm going to discuss it with two experts over here. And you're welcome to text and answer in as well. So take 60 seconds, please, and do that. Hey, what is the magic of going that second mile? Making a difference in someone else's life. The connection of love. Wow, these are coming in fast. way from Chicago. You might actually change someone's direction, gaining understanding and empathy, getting out of your own head and the preoccupation, this is so good, getting out of your own head and the preoccupation with the self, even if just for a little while. Let me just pull up a couple more of these here. Uh, The magic might be saving someone's life, making a difference in someone's life, a shared peace. Oh, this is good. Boy, there's a whole other sermon topic in this. Walking the second mile helps us to understand the first mile. That's, you should be a pastor, whoever you are. Do unto others as you would have them do to do unto you. Beautiful one there for the great commandment. Being there for a person, even when they're upset or hurting. Seeing the joy and respect from another Uh we might just get to, oh, this is good, this is good. We might just get to know the heart of someone. There's so many beautiful pieces there that, 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 we could, that we could talk about. And, and, and again, folks, like, like you can imagine, just put yourself there in the scene, right? Like, I think that's what Christ has asked us to do. So we, so we, so we walk a mile because we have to, and then we walk a second mile because we choose to, and, 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 and stone by stone, that wall starts to come down. I mean, just imagine a Roman soldier, and all of a sudden this person goes like, Hey, you know, what, would you mind if I like walked with you another mile? You know, and and, and stone stone by stone, it comes down, not just the wall that the soldier has built up, but the wall that the other has built up as well. Stone by stone, starting to come down. I mean, just imagine the conversation. Imagine the connection. Imagine that Christ means this, that he's serious about it. That this is the way to find peace. Maybe this is actually what is true. How far we travel in life means a whole lot less than who we meet along the way. And we can do that and be opened up to miracles of of just connections along the way. A a picture from a recent board retreat. uh, You know, and and you just look at this. and, and, And who we manage to meet along the way is just a beautiful beautiful thing. So Locke talked about how, you know, at New Church Live, we really, we really do try to come to a point. Are you ready for a quiz, folks? All right. So here's your takeaway. As best you can this week, go that extra mile. So I want to close today's service again with a real deep thank you to these vets for what they've offered to us today. So thank you, gentlemen, very much. And I'd ask you now to please join me in prayer. Lord, thank you for your presence here among us today, this Memorial Day weekend. And Lord, allow us to think about what it truly means to walk that extra mile. What does it truly mean, Lord? To take those things we have to do and move them into those things that we choose to do. Help us, Lord, this Memorial Day weekend, if there's a veteran in our life who we can reach out to in a new way to do that, Lord, and as well to reach out to anyone in our lives who needs that extra connection, who needs your word, Lord, not your word spoken, but your word lived, your word incarnate, your word that is so much about walking with. Thank you, Lord, for your presence here today. Thank you for these wonderful stories. Thank you for these wonderful men. Thank you, Lord. Be with us this week. In your name we pray. Amen.